Well, good morning. I want to invite everyone to please stand and open your Bibles to the letter. It's 1 John chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. There's Bibles in the pews. You'll probably find it on your smartphone. But 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, and we'll read down to chapter 2, verse 2. This is God's word for God's people. Verse John, chapter, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this incredible day. And Father, I thank you for everyone here. Lord, I thank you for those who are worshiping with us online. And Holy Spirit, these are some powerful words that you inspired the Apostle John to write. And it's amazing truth. Oh, Holy Spirit, make these truths in your word. Help us to understand them. To be able to comprehend them and experience them. That in you, God, you are light and there's absolutely no darkness. And that we are forgiven because of Jesus. Lord Jesus, pour that cool drink of water into our souls and our hearts and our spirits. We are thirsty for your presence and for your forgiveness and for your life. May I say only what you want, Jesus, and nothing else. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You all may be seated. To get started, I need three volunteers, three very strong people. If you could come up now, please. Andre, thank you. Come on up. Two more, I need two more. Oh, come on, Emery, Samuel. All right, good. Actually, you know what? Y'all can stand right down here in front of the altar of the Lord's Supper. And I need one particular volunteer who's got a strong back, strong arms, strong shoulders. Who could it be? Now, Andre, you, you volunteered. All right, good. Andre, if you could put that backpack on, please put that backpack on. It's right in front of you. And it might be a little light, so anyway... And then I want you to step back and turn and face the congregation and uh, be careful with the chalice there behind you, the cup. And then, no, not to you, step back a little bit. And then Emery and Samuel, Andre just hold both hands out. And I want you to start stacking those Bibles. Now they're Bibles, but we're going to pretend that there's something else. And uh, y'all just keep going. And while they do that, I've got a story to share. About five years ago, all of my roommates from college We all got together in Sedona, Arizona. And one of those days, and no one is paying attention. What a great example I'm doing. So can you do it, Andre? Good. Can you do it? If one or two fall, it's fine. So it's okay. Actually, yeah. Will it work? 
Can you do it, Andre? All right, you guys, Emery and Sam, y'all can have a seat. So, you know, y'all, y'all sit down here. He might need some help. Andre, do you need help, buddy? Yeah, why don't y'all go ahead. Go ahead and take him off. Go ahead and help him out. He needs some help. All right. Heavy burdened. Heavy, heavy. Okay, that's good. Leave it like that. Leave it right there. Samuel and Emery, y'all can just have a seat right there. We'll just keep them like that. I went out to Sedona, Arizona. And I can't even remember, Wayne, you are out there not too long ago, one of the national parks out there, and we went hiking, and there's just hundreds of people everywhere. And we got to a point where we came around this curve, and there was a huge drop-off, and there was a natural arch. And people would go out to it and take pictures. And we're like, yeah, so we're waiting our turn, super excited. And we got to our turn, and the walkway to get out there probably was as wide as this pew. And this pew here is almost 29 feet wide. I know that because we took several pews out and we had to measure them. But as we started to walk out, which was probably 50 yards, about where the chapel was, to get out to the edge, there's about a 300-foot drop on both sides. That 27 feet all of a sudden felt like it was about six inches of space. And I love heights, but I hate heights. I love to fly, but I hate flying. And just the desire to want to look over, just I was like, oh, no. And in today's sermon, I feel like there's two huge fall-offs that we could fall off on, maybe even a third and a fourth. And I kind of imagine ourselves like going down this highway where we got two ditches. And we're going to talk today about forgiveness. Am I really forgiven? We've been talking a lot about am I loved? Am I saved? Do I love? Does God love me? Some of those deep, dark questions, those profound questions that we ask ourselves very rarely these days because our brain is so full of social media and stuff, but it's when we're lay our head on the pillow and we begin to ask some of those harder questions. Has God really forgiven me? And I asked Andre and Emery and Sammy to come up because there's a lot of us today, we're like Andre, where we're heavy burdened with our past, maybe with our present, with sins and lifestyles and things and choices we've made in the past that really weigh us down. And even if we ask for God for forgiveness and swear and promise to him that we'll never do it again, we do it again. Or maybe it's something we did a long time ago that brings incredible shame and we try to forget about it. But every once in a while or maybe quite regularly, it comes back up and it makes us feel gross and icky and dirty and heavy laden. And maybe we ourselves even are telling ourselves, you see, look what you did. You did it again. Look what you've done. God will never really forgive you. You talk about it. You preach about it. You think about it. But deep down, you're still that awful, horrible person. How could you have done that? And it's like these, I mean, unfortunately, I'm using Bibles as an example, but it's like these books. It's like this backpack. Andre, how you feeling, bud? Doing all right? Do you need more load on top of you, or you want to be free from it all? Okay, Sammy and Emery, why don't y'all help him unload himself? And even as they do that, you know, there's a verse in Scripture that says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you will be healed. And I might ask this example again, so be prepared, Andre, for about 15 minutes from now. Thank you. Let's give them a hand. Uh, 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 a hand. Let's give him a hand. Let's give him a hand. Okay, let's give him a round of applause, okay? All right. For all three of you guys, Andre, Emery, Sammy, thank you so very much.
We're on this highway or we're crossing this big, huge, natural God-made arch. And there's two sides that we could fall off on. And we need to stay in God's truth. Right here, 1 John chapter 1. John says this in, in chapter 1, verse 5. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. Okay, John, remember, he's Jesus' best friend. He says, this is the message. And all throughout this book right here in 1 John, he says it several times. This is the message. This is the testimony. And he repeats it over and over that we have heard from him. And next week, we're going to look at the very first few verses of this little book. And John reminds his readers, he's like, look, we lived with him. We talked with him. We ate with him. We were, we, we were, we did life with Jesus. And remember the example, I think John Piper used it. John, first John, it's kind of like a bee that keeps floating all over this flower. He's over here, then he's over here, and then he's over here. And we're going to see it in this passage where John talks about walking in light, walking in darkness, forgiveness, unforgiveness, going back and forth and back and forth. But John right here, he says, this is the message that we've heard from Jesus. And now we've lived 2,000 years after Jesus. And there's a lot of criticism about the Bible these days. And there are no eyewitnesses that are living today that live with Jesus. And John wrote this book probably 50, 60 years after Jesus lived. But they didn't live in the tech age where no one had to remember everything. But the Pharisees had the entire Old Testament memorized. Most of them did. Our capacity as humans to memorize and understand and know is incredible. Scientists or sociologists, whatever they call them, they say that the average human has over 700 talents and abilities. Over 700. We are so gifted because we're created in God's image. And so 50, 60 years after the life of Jesus, for some of us might seem like, well, that's a long time. No, it's not. One of my best friends turned 50 yesterday, and I went down to Jackson to be with him, and we had a great day. And we were laughing when we met each other when we were seven. And it felt like it was just yesterday. I can still remember when I met him. I was standing in the football stands because we were playing, playing peewee football, and he was on our, our tribal team. Didn't know who he was, but heard that there was a fast tailback. And I still remember standing there. We are going to play them the following week. Very first play of the game, they did a pitch sweep to him, and he ran like 90 yards for a touchdown. And his mom, who's this really old, quiet country lady, came flying down out of the stands, yelling, hooting, and hollering, and high heels in a dress. She ran down the football stadium. Her son scored a touchdown. She came back. She did circles and spins. That's my boy. That's my boy. I thought, man, that lady's crazy. And she ended up being the mom of one of my best friends. Life is so fast. I can remember that as if it was yesterday. John is remembering what Jesus taught as if it was just yesterday. And he's been teaching it and living it for 50, 60 years. All the other apostles, they've already died for the faith. Why? Because it's true. And then John says, God is light. This is the message. God is light. And there's absolutely no darkness in him. Now, light is one of those descriptions all throughout Scripture. And it's defined, and we even see Psalm 27, verse 1, where King David is saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And light, God's light, it means holiness and purity, goodness, righteousness. It's moral excellence. 
It's the absence of anything and everything that is wicked and evil. It is true. We all know what it is to have light. If you ever walked in a dark room and stubbed your toe, well, usually something comes out of your mouth and it's not real nice. And then you have to go to confession afterwards, right? We turn the lights on to see. We turn the lights on to see physically and God turns the lights of our hearts and our minds on spiritually because he is that light. And John is saying there's absolutely no darkness in God. And then we go into this back and forth here as John's talking about. And what we're talking about today, the question is, am I really forgiven? Am I really forgiven? Well, look what John says here. And sorry, I keep, you know, I'm 50 now, so I keep forgetting. I need to put glasses on from time to time to see. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, with God, with Jesus, Yet we walk in darkness. That means we're living according to our sinful nature and pride and arrogance. We're living in sin. We're not following Jesus. We're not obeying Jesus. We're walking in darkness, which is the opposite of who God is. If we say we have fellowship with Jesus and yet we walk in, in darkness, what's the consequences? What's the reality? What's the truth? We are lying and we're not practicing truth. There's many people that can say, oh, I believe in God. I believe in God. And yet the fruit of their lives, their lifestyle, the way they live, you couldn't smell God a hundred feet from them. They could care less about who Jesus is. And you see it in their life. You see it in their words and their actions, their, just their attitude. Going to McDonald's does not make you a hamburger. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Anyone can say, oh, I I have fellowship with God. But if they're walking in darkness, they're lying. Now, they might be lying to themselves, deceiving themselves, and they're not practicing the truth. But then look what John says. He jumps over here. If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Think about the truth of that verse. If we walk in the light, living in the light, as Jesus is in the light, because see, Jesus is the light of God. He's the light of the world. And Jesus talked all the time, and we see it in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Abide in me. Live in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, is what Jesus said. Apart from me, you can bear no fruit. Apart from me, you have no life, is what Jesus says. So abide, live. And if we abide in Jesus, if we're connected to Jesus, we have fellowship with one another. And this incredible promise, his blood cleanses us from how many sin? All. Say it. All. A-L-L. Now say it Southern, A-W-W, all, all sin, all of it, not some of it, not 90% of it, all of it. And then he bounces back over here. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So you see how John is backing back and forth, back and forth. 
Now, when John says, when we say we have no sin, I would doubt there's anyone in this room that would deny that they're a sinner. I think most of us would say, yeah, I've sinned. But here's where I think some of us might fall in off the cliff. Yeah, I sinned, but compared to Hitler, it's not that bad. I really don't sin that bad. Yeah, I lie, I deceive. You know, most of my sins no one knows. But if we're really honest, yeah, you know, God will forgive me. Are you deceiving yourself? Are you taking lightly the reality of your sin? We talked a little bit about it last week, but Jesus says, you've heard it say, do not commit murder. But Jesus said, but I tell you, if you call someone an idiot, if you curse them in your heart, you've already committed murder. And I asked the question last week, how many idiots got in front of you on the way over here to church today? And so I think many of us can deceive ourselves because we, you know, we have that, yeah, I sin, but you know, it's really not that bad. Or we might fall off on this side and be like, yeah, I'm a sinner and God can't forgive me. That's just arrogance. It's arrogance because who are you to say that God can't forgive you? Or you fall off from way over here on this side, way back over here, and there's just that apathetic hard candy shell, like an M&M, I guess, so to speak, where you just don't even care. You could care less. And there's a lot of us in this world, our consciences have gotten so seared, we really don't care. Once again, we're deceiving ourselves. And what did John say here in verse 8? And the truth is not in us. So as we walk across that land bridge to get to the other side, there's all these ways that we could fall off to the right or to the left. It could be this hard-heartedness, this apathy, this indifference to our sin, to God's sin. God, I mean, God's not sin, but God's forgiveness. Or we this just the apathetic attitude, yeah, it's just not that bad. Yeah, I sin, but you know, it's not that bad. Or it's the other side where it's like, and I've sinned so much, there's no way God could forgive me. God, be careful we don't fall off any of those ditches, but we stay in the circle of truth. And then here's this amazing verse here, but I got a question for you. How many of you who have sinned, and you feel dirty afterwards, you feel dirty inside? I do. And you confess it to the Lord, but you still feel dirty inside. Maybe there's things that you've done in the past a long time ago and Satan keeps reminding you of it. Or maybe even you yourself, you keep reminding yourself of it and it makes you feel dirty inside. And then there's this civil war goes on inside of you because you know you're forgiven, but you don't sense or feel or experience that forgiveness. And you're left with this huge struggle. And my prayer for all of us today is that we would not only know mentally God's truth and God's word, but we would experience it. 
Because the promise here in verse 9, John says, if we confess our sin, what does it say? He is faithful and just. And I'll be honest with you, when I see faithful and just next to the word God, usually sometimes I'm like, "Mm?" because I'm like, man, I don't want God's justice. Not for me. I want his mercy. I want his forgiveness and his compassion. And so I find it very powerful to me that Holy Spirit inspiration to John, he says, if we confess our sins, that means to acknowledge it. Not just say, yeah, I sinned. I did it. But it's it's an acknowledgement from the pit, from the gut, from the bowels of of who we are. Lord, I'm a sinner. I I recognize it and I'm not hiding anything. When we do that, John declares he is faithful and just to do what? Two things. To forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all. Say it. All. Now say it Southern. All. All unrighteousness. Not just some of it. All of it. Every bit of it. The question, am I forgiven? Yes. If you believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried and he rose again, if you believe that, God the Father has adopted you as a son and daughter, and you are completely, totally 100% forgiven of all your sins. Not just some, but everyone that you've committed and everyone that you will commit, completely, totally forgiven. The Bible says that God takes our sins and he throws them over his shoulder behind him. He throws them, he casts them out as far as the east, east, It's from the West. And he remembers them no more. That is great news. And some might say, yeah, well, if you preach that too hard, then people are going to take advantage of God's grace. All right. Jesus is judge anyway. Okay. Let me tell you a story. Most of you know this. There's a man named Simon. He invited Jesus to his house. Simon was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. And he invited Jesus and the disciples, probably some of the other women and close associates of Jesus came. And they were in Simon's house, a very wealthy Pharisee. And they're reclining at the table. And back then the tables weren't big tables where you sat down in a four-legged chair, you know, everybody facing each other. You kind of lay down and leaned on a shoulder and your feet were all sticking out the back. Sing around this table. And there they are eating. They're talking. Simon, the Pharisee, he's asking Jesus all kinds of questions, testing Jesus. How long were they there? We don't know. But it says that a woman, a sinner of the town, of ill repute, doesn't describe what type of sinner she was, but we could, we got imaginations. She comes to the party. Might seem weird to us as North Americans. 
But in many cultures, you do a party, you invite people, others are going to show up too. In Mexico, when we had birthday parties for our kids as little kids, we always had to plan for 30 more. That's the way it was. It was embraced and it was accepted. It was a good thing. And this woman shows up and it's Jesus talking to Simon and they're all there. She starts weeping at Jesus' feet. So she's standing behind the inner circle and she's weeping and weeping. And then she goes down and she's weeping. And it says she brought an alabaster jar, a very just rich perfume, expensive perfume. And she's crying at Jesus' feet. She begins to wash Jesus' feet with her, with her tears and with her hair, weeping and weeping and weeping. And Simon, the Pharisee, thinks in his heart, If this man was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He doesn't even say it. But oh, he despises that woman. And she weeps and she's making a commotion, weeping at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says to Simon, Simon, I got a question for you. I got something to share. There's a certain businessman, landowner. He had two servants. One owed him 500 denarii. That's 500 days wages of work. The other owed him 50. And he forgave both of them their debts. Who do you think would love him more? And Simon the Pharisee, he said, well, I suppose the one that was forgiven more. And he says, you've judged rightly. He goes, when I came to your house, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Yet this woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet since she got here. You didn't give me any water to wash my hands and face or feet with. Yet this woman has washed my feet with her tears and she's drying them with her hair. You see, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. You see, because those who have been forgiven much, they will love much. And that's bad English. The reality is, we are so sinful. And in most churches today, they don't want to talk about sin. We want to be seeker sensitive. We want to, it's an issue. It's not sin or it's a symptom or it's not sin or it's a whatever. We want people to be lifted up. I want people to be lifted up. Every Sunday, I want you guys to be encouraged as you leave. I don't want to beat you down. And we are rotten, horrible sinners. We're just like Andre, even without the backpack and all these books. But most of us are wandering around with a huge, heavy burden backpack just loaded with our past, loaded down maybe with our present. And we're even telling ourselves, you are horrible. You did it again. You wretched, filthy, or it's stuff we did a long time ago or maybe not too long ago, maybe last night or last week or last month or last year. And the memories come back and it just, oh, And we try to shove it down and push it down. Or we promise God, God, I promise. And we make all these promises to God. I promise I'll do this. I promise I'll do that. It doesn't do any good. 
We don't have to promise God a thing. We don't have to show God anything. But he wants us to be like that woman. Because you see, when we realize that we're horrific sinners under God's wrath, and we deserve hell, we deserve the fire of hell forever, we don't deserve any forgiveness. Because we have offended a holy, perfect God. We've offended him with our lives and with our lifestyles and with who we are as wretched sinners. It's what we deserve. Yet because of God's incredible love, because he does love us eternally and perfectly, he can't ignore our sin. The horrific abuses that happen in life when people are caught because they have raped and murdered people or they've child molested, they deserve. And a good judge is not going to say, ah, as we say in Spanish, it was nothing. The filthy murderers, they deserve to be punished. And all of us are wretched murderers, we're adulterers, we're thieves. We're so guilty and we're so dirty. God can't close his eyes and just pretend it doesn't exist. He's good, and because he's good, he has to judge. And he has to bring justice and light. He has to. He wants to. But because he's compassionate and merciful, he pours out, he wants to pour out his forgiveness upon us because that's his nature. And we see it right here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Chris, if you don't mind putting it on the screen. Am I forgiven? Are you forgiven? John says, my little children. Imagine it's like a dad getting down. My little children. I'm writing you these things so that you don't sin. So that you don't sin. God doesn't want us to sin. As we love Jesus, we obey him. We obey Jesus because we love him. We love Jesus because he first loved us. And John writes about this forgiveness, this amazing forgiveness. I write these things that, you know, don't sin, little children. But if anyone does sin, and John is no fool, he knows we're all going to sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate. We have someone who speaks for us, who defends us, who stands in the gap, who overshadows us, who upholds us, who covers us. Not from big, bad Father God. No, it's God himself. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is the righteous one. And we have an advocate And he himself, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice. He's our advocate, so he speaks for us. He defends us. He comes with us, and as we enter into the presence of a holy, righteous God, God the Father and God the Son are both cheering. Yes, this is one of my adopted children, sons and daughters. Because Jesus paid that price. Not only for our sin, but the sins of the whole world. The more we realize how much Jesus has forgiven us, the more we'll love. And the more we love, the closer we grow to him, the greater glory he receives. The world will see our love for one another and they will praise our heavenly father. At the end of 
of 2021 in New York City, the Public Library of New York City decided to cancel all debts. And from October of 2021 to February of 2022, over 90,000 books were returned to the New York City Public Library system. Some of those books were overdue by 50 years. And some of the books had notes in them, please forgive me. This book has been amazing. It's been life-changing for me. And the board leadership of the public of the New York City Public Library, they made that decision because they realized we're not in the money-making business. Why hold on to these debts? Let's cancel them. And the people felt free to return those books because they weren't going to be punished. It's amazing how free it is to love Jesus and to love others when we know that in Christ there's no condemnation. I want to invite the worship team or trail to come forward. I want to invite the deacons, those who are going to help serve, to come forward. We're moving into the Lord's Supper. And this is an amazing time for us to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. His death and his resurrection is the only reason and way that we're forgiven. And God gave it all up. He gave it all, all up. So as we go through our prayer and our liturgies, I want to invite everybody to stand. We're going to spend some time just in silent confession. Let us confess our sins to God and to our neighbor. And let us prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The question, am I forgiven in Jesus Christ? Yes, the answer is yes, you are forgiven. Let's just spend a few moments as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's table.